0: We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Apostolic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. 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 We believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. That's our subject for today in what was we had planned that the last Sunday of April would be the last Sunday on the Apostles' Creed, but I'm taking a little liberty with that because four weeks from today is Pentecost Sunday, and Pentecost Sunday, of course, marks the day. That's the initial coming of the Holy Spirit upon the infant church. Uh, Jesus had left the planet days before, and the Holy Spirit came. Read all about it in Acts chapter 2. So four weeks today, I want to come back to the Creed for one more Sunday and speak to you about, I believe in the Holy Spirit. But for today, I believe, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Father, as we look to your word now, would you speak to us? Open it up for us today. Perhaps it's an old truth that we need to be reminded of. It needs to stir within us a response. Maybe it's a new truth. Maybe there are some today alienated from the church, and this is the beginning of their comeback. Maybe there are some today in-house or online that have never made that initial commitment to Jesus Christ, to you as Lord and Savior. May this day be that day. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In England, about 60 years ago, there was a very colorful, outspoken politician by the name of Lord Boothby. He wrote a book. The title of the book was, What I Believe. Among other things, this is what he said in that book. The history of the Christian churches has been one of atrocious cruelty. All of them have done untold harm to the world. The traditions of the Christian churches for centuries can be, can be summarized as dogma persecution, secession, hatred, destruction, and fire. In fact, everything that Jesus loathed and denounced. We believe the church is mentioned in the Apostles' Creed because it is an article of belief. But for Lord Boothby, the church was an obstacle to belief. But did you notice when I read his statement that it wasn't Jesus that Boothby was opposing, and it wasn't what Jesus taught that he was opposing, but he felt that the church had counteracted all that Jesus taught. Now, many people today wouldn't be as critical as Boothby, but many people today, it seems, that we encounter have soured on the church. It's true. Many people today are deeply interested, apparently, in matters spiritual. They seem open to Jesus Christ, but they seem very wary of the church. Years ago, a Billy Graham-produced film made its rounds to the theaters, and one of the characters in that film was played by Cliff Richard. And his character confronts an English priest and says to him in that movie, if you were Jesus Christ and, 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 and you came back and saw, and, and saw what you'd done to my church, I'd sue you. Well, crowds in the theater, according to the writer that told this story, crowds in the theater erupted in applause at that remark. Some years ago, comedian Lenny Bruce said, this, said these words, people are leaving the churches and returning to God. Bruce seems to be saying that people are increasingly interested, disinterested in the church, but increasingly interested in God. Could it be? Well, Lord Boothby and Cliff Richard's character and Lenny Bruce may hold their own opinions, but hear me this morning, I believe in the church. Do you stand with me today when we say, we believe in the church? I do, don't you? We hold to the creed, and we declare, we believe in the church, we believe in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. Now, it's a mystery to me. It's a a mystery to me how, how a Christ follower, someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, can speak disparagingly of the church. Pastor and author Stuart Briscoe spoke of his own disappointment and delusion and delusionment with the church when he was a young pastor and he said then one day a friend took him aside and the friend said Stuart I have a problem with you to which Briscoe Stuart Briscoe answered and said well what is it and the man said you insist that you're in favor of Jesus Christ but you're not in favor of what Jesus Christ was in favor of. Briscoe says, what do you mean? And the man said, Jesus Christ loved the church. He gave himself for the church. He washed the church with his own blood. And he longs for the day when the church will be gathered to him in eternity. And he's totally committed to the church. Jesus said, it's my church and I'm going to build it. And the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. And then the man said this to Briscoe. How in the world can you say that you're in favor of Christ and his cause when you are so negative and critical of that which he loved and gave himself for? Briscoe said, he did me a world of good when he said that to me. And I decided then not only to commit myself to Jesus Christ, but that day I would also commit myself to his church Me too. You too? So let's take a closer look. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. So let's begin with that whole statement and unpack it a word at a time. Let me start with this statement. I believe in the church. We'll start there. Now the English word church draws its meaning from two Greek words. One means what belongs to the Lord, and the other word means to call out from. So if you put those two together, the church is something that belongs to the Lord, that he has called out from the world to be gathered together as you have done here today, those of you in-house. So the church is not a building. An hour from now, when the church is empty, there will be no church Here on the hill, it will have dispersed. There will only be a building here. The church is not a building. The church is not an institution. The church is not somewhere you go. The church is something that you are. You are the church. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 and verse 23, Paul the apostle is writing about the church. Here's what he says. It's before you. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church and the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything, everywhere and with his presence. Now did you pick up that phrase right in the middle there? The church is his body. Christ is the head. Think of a head and think of a body. Christ is the head and the church is Christ's body, he is the head, that means we, you and I, all of us together are the hands and the feet and the arms and the ears and the mouth, we are the body. You and I then are together the vehicle, the practical means where a spiritual Christ impacts a physical environment. Now That even sounds complicated to my simple mind, let me spell it out. Christ has no body on earth except ours, except you and I, right? So Christ uses, to get specific, Christ uses Cross Point Church to impact the city of Fredericton and beyond. You understand that. In my short 21 months here now, I've seen this happen. We're now seeing movement from the Housing First Initiative to help get Fred, Fredericton's homeless. Uh, to help them get them back on their feet. And a little over two years ago, you, you gave $73,000. You, Christ, used Crosspoint Church as the body to help make that happen. You were his hands, his feet, his heart even. As I, during these days, 13 Crosspointers serve at Greener Village Food Bank. Six CPers went to the Bahamas in 2019 and 2020 to help down there with the hurricane relief. You gave the money that made that possible for them to go. You gave over just a year ago, Mother's Day, it'll be a year, just a couple of weeks. You gave last Mother's Day and the week or two following, you gave $17,000 to help provide clean water for the country of Liberia. You, you were the body of Christ. And last June and July, you gave. You gave over $23,000 to help Crosspoint Church gear up to provide the gospel, this time the living water, to Fredericton area and beyond to help us better and more efficiently do that. That should, that should make us all excited about being part of the church. I believe in the church don't you Ah, but some believers say I hear this occasionally don't you well I don't want to have to do what anybody else says and I won't want to have to think what anybody else thinks I I just want it to be Jesus and me on the road to heaven ever hear that ever say that well that would be fine except for the fact that Jesus Jesus is committed to building his church. The church, you see, is God's primary vehicle. I say primary vehicle because each of you individually are part of this too. But the church is God's primary vehicle for accomplishing his purpose on earth. It's you. I love the church. The first time I have visited Willow Creek Church just west of Chicago, several times times over the year but this is my first visit 1992 and I was listening to then pastor Bill Hybels speak and he said this statement he said the church is the hope of the world thrilled me to hear it and I believed it then and I believe it now and I believe in the church well let's let's move on expand our statement a little I believe in the church and and to expand, I believe in the Catholic Church. Well, let's stop here a minute. When I say I believe in the Catholic Church, we're not speaking here of the Roman Catholic Church. You see, it's not Catholic capital C, it's the small c here. And the word Catholic comes from the Latin and from the Greek. And in both cases, the word that the English word Catholic comes from has one. Singular meaning, and it's universal. Catholic means universal. You see, during the time of the Reformation, now we're talking way back in the early part of the 16th century, the seceders, that would be those who broke away during those days from the church of the day, which was the Roman Catholic Church. They broke away because they were less than enthusiastic about the Pope and what the church of the day was doing, So I think initially it started out just to be a protest. So they protested. They were protesters, And eventually that word kind of evolved into what they're called, what we're all called today is Protestants, 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 right? That's where we come from. So to distance in the first days of the Protestant church, to distance themselves from the church of the day, they stopped using the word Catholic in the creed, and they put in the word Christian to differentiate those themselves from those who are loyal to the Pope. Some used the word back in those days, and still today, used the word Anglo. Did you notice in the creed this morning that you heard, just before the message this morning, did you notice what word they substituted for Catholic? Did you hear it? It was apostolic. Well, come on. Let's use the word Catholic. That's what the creed originally said, because the church is Catholic in the sense that the church is universal. So how is the church universal? Let me just quickly give you four ways that the church today is a universal church. The church points to a universal need. That's number one, a universal need. All, the scripture says, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All includes us all. It's universal. The church points to a universal need. It points to a universal remedy. Christ died for all, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, all of us, while we were still sinners. Universal need, universal remedy, and then there's a universal mandate. We know it as the Great Commission. Our marching orders, when Jesus, just before he left the planet, said, go into all of the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all, there's that word again, of all nations. And then one day there's going to be a universal consummation. John the Revelator writes of a day that's still yet future when he said in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes. Do you hear that? All tribes. That includes this tribe. It includes those of you here in person. It includes those of you with us online today. All tribes. In 1898, Eliza Hewitt wrote the popular gospel song that speaks of that yet future day when we are. All get to heaven. What a glorious day, of a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. That's a gathering of the church that I do not plan to miss. I believe in the Catholic church, the holy Catholic church, the universal church. So now let's consider the third word. We looked at the word church, the word Catholic. The statement, now I expand it to read, I believe in the holy catholic church now some people not you any longer or those of you with us online you no longer have a problem with us using the word catholic if you ever did but listen to me this morning a lot of folk are troubled by the word holy they don't think that word holy should ever use to apply to themselves certainly not no and they're even more troubled by the word saints the next phrase in the cray creed says i I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Then it says the communion of saints. Well, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and the church in Fredericton and says, You who have been called by God to be his own holy people. Speaking of you, right? The original King James Version uses the word saints instead of the word holy. So the original KJV says called to be saints. Hear me. That's you. That's me. I was teaching on this years ago, and when the service ended, Billy couldn't get to me quick enough. I hardly had time to step off the platform when he was in my face, and he was quite angry. It startled me he was so angry. He was indignant. And he said, I want you to know that I'm no saint He said, the very idea that you would tell me I'm a saint. And before I could think of anything to say or any way to respond, he turned and stomped off and he was gone. And I never saw him again in the communion of saints. That would be the church. Never saw him again. So maybe he's right. Maybe he wasn't a saint. Not sure. But listen to me. Please understand this. You are. Don't deny the word. Hear it and believe it. You are. His own holy people, you are called to be saints. Now, to help you stop some of you arguing with me, let me say, so does that mean, Pastor Don, are you saying we're perfect? No, I'm not saying that. Are you saying we're, we're sinless? No, I'm not saying that either, because if I did, I couldn't be part of the church. And don't look at me that way, because you couldn't be part of it either, if that's what it meant, perfect and sinless. But did you know that there are some believers, unbelievable, maybe, but there are believers who are looking for a perfect church, and if they ever find it, I hope they don't join it, because when they do, they'll only mess it up, because there are no perfect people. I don't know where I first heard this quote, but I have used it so often during the years, I expect in my almost two years here, I've probably said this at least one time, we, speaking of the church, We are not a museum where we put perfect people on display, but we are chiefly a hospital for sinners. Do you understand that? That's us. We are the church. Now, the word that we translate holy in this scripture, the English word holy, in its original language means to cut. Suggesting what? That you and I are to be a cut above, a cut apart, separate from, distinctly different, utterly unique. So, let me give you now a definition of what it means to be holy, to be called holy, to be a saint. I'm going to put it on the screen and read it to you, but I want you to follow along. Let me ask you, as we read this together, is this you? Here it is. A saint is a very ordinary person. Well, I guess you're all with me so far, surely. An ordinary person who, recognizing his or her sin, has repented. That means you turn from your sins and turn towards God. Has repented and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you done that? They have identified with him publicly. That's a reference to baptism. There needs to come a time in every believer's life... When you, in some way, identify publicly as a child of God, you say, I'm one of them. So, have identified with him publicly and joined a body of believers. You may not have officially become a member of this church yet, but you have joined with a body of believers here this morning, those of you that are in-house in this room, and They are cooperating with the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So now I ask you, is that you? Is that you? That qualifies you to be called a saint, according to the Scripture. That's that's a saint. That qualifies you to be called holy. Well, let me move on. I believe in the holy Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of saints. Now let me say a word about communion. What's communion? Now often when we think about communion, and we're going to partake together here in just a few minutes, we often think of holy communion. But the root idea of communion means simply this: that we share together, we have something in common. It's a fellowship. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what do we share? And the scriptures speak to that. First Corinthians chapter one and verse nine says, "God has called us into fellowship. With his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that says telling us that when I became a believer, I get to share my life with Jesus Christ. Isn't this a nice way of putting it? As I make my life available to him, he makes his life available to me. Isn't that an awesome thought. And every other believer who has this fellowship, this relationship with Jesus, this communion shares the life that I share. So do you see it? This communion I'm speaking of has a horizontal dimension, meaning it involves you and I, it involves all of us together, as well as this communion has a vertical dimension, us with Jesus Christ our Lord. We share a common life. We worship a common Lord. Now we may have different opinions, really. Different political views. We may may have different economic standing or we might move in different social circles, but these things are secondary to the communion that we share. This common bond should transcend all those minor differences that I have just mentioned. Here's a favorite poem of mine. Don't know where I first heard it. To dwell above with saints I love, oh, to me that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints I know, well, that's a different story. There's more truth to that than sometimes we like to admit. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be so. The communion we share ought to transcend the differences among us. We used to sing this chorus right here in this church. I recall as a young man, as a child, we are one. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirit with the spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. This song, that song is about the communion of the saints. Now, perhaps the deepest and most precious expression of this communion that I'm speaking about is Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. When we take, in a few moments, when we take the bread and the cup and share it with each other, when we do that, we, all of us together, and those of you with us online today, we are agreeing that I feed on Christ And the merits of his broken body and the merits of his shed blood. Because I am a sinner. And he is my only hope. And as we do this together, it's a communion. This is a communion of sinners saved by grace. We're nothing more than sinners. We're nothing less than saved by grace. Let us worship together as we prepare to come to the table.